Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Kathleen Pasadoma. She's our state senator. Boo Mortensen will be joining us from Madison, Wisconsin. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and my wife Linda will be on in the last segment of the show. It is July the 12th, and on this day in 1984, Walter Mondale, the leading Democrat presidential candidate, announced that he had chosen Representative Geraldine Ferraro of New York as his running mate. <clears throat> She's the daughter of, an Italian, of Italian immigrants, had previously gained recognition as a vocal advocate of women's rights in Congress. Ferraro became the first female vice presidential candidate to represent a major political party. Four days after Ferraro was named vice presidential candidate, Governor Mario Cuomo of New York opened the Democrat National Convention in San Francisco with an impassioned retort to Republican President Ronald Reagan's contention that the United States was a shining city on a hill. Citing widespread poverty and racial strife, Cuomo derided President Reagan as oblivious to the needs and problems of many American citizens. His enthusiastic keynote address inaugurated a convention that saw Ferraro become the first woman nominated by a major party for the vice presidency. However, Mondale, the former U.S. vice president under Jimmy Carter, proved a lackluster choice for the Democrat presidential nominee, had no charisma whatsoever. On November the 6th, President Ronald Reagan and Vice President George Bush defeated Mondale Ferraro ticket in the greatest Republican landslide in U.S. history. The Republicans carried every state but Minnesota, of course, Mondale's uh, home state. Ferraro left Congress in 1985. In 1982 and, and 1998, she made unsuccessful bids for the United States Senate. During President Bill Clinton's administration, she was a permanent member of the United Nations Commission on Human Rights. She died in 2011 at the age of 75. In 2021, of course, Kamala Harris was sworn in as the first female vice president. Farrow, I surmise, would have done a better job, but nevertheless... In order to vote in the primary election, eligible residents must be registered to vote by July 25th, and that's just around the corner. And if you're a Florida resident, you can vote. It's a closed primary state. That means that the only voters who are of a political party may vote for their respective party candidates in a primary election. And uh, you, to find out more, you can go to callyourvotes.gov or call the number 239-252-VOTE. 252 vote. I suggest going to the website. It's, we did it this week. It's very simple. Callyourvotes.gov. You just put in your email address and your uh, birth date, and uh, voila, you've got the information you need. Well, rudderless, aimless, and hopeless is how one congressional Democrat described the White House to CNN. Washington Post and Polit uh, Politico 
quickly followed, each outlet publishing long stories filled with quotes from Democrats trashing President Joe Biden's administration. He's missing the boat here. This is our time to dig in and be absolutely furious because one-half measures are not working. He's got a real excitability problem, New Deal Strategies partner Camille Rivera told Politico. Biden has never enjoyed support from Republicans, and his support among independents cratered soon after he promised a peaceful withdrawal from Afghanistan that became an historic catastrophe. But a string of new failures, capped off by a weak response to the Supreme Court's completely foreseeable overturning of Roe v. Wade, as Democrats running to the press with calls for a change in leadership atop the party. In the view of many distraught Democrats, the Washington Post's Ashley Parker and Matt Pfizer said, the country is in full-blown crisis on a range of fronts, and the Biden seems in, uh, unable or unwilling to respond with appropriate force. Democracy is under attack, they say. As Republicans, <laughs> they really said this. Democracy is under attack, they say, as Republicans change election rules and the Supreme Court rapidly rewrites American law. Shootings are routine. Abortion rights have ended, and Democrats could suffer big losses in the next election. Democrats aren't the only ones feeling the country's in crisis. A recent Monmouth poll found that a record-high 88% of respondents, including 92% of Republicans, 91% of Dem independents, and 80% of Democrats, believe things in the country have gotten off on the wrong track. That's a big number. Unlike Democrats, however, most people aren't freaking out about fake issues like the supposed end of democracy. They're worried about inflation and gas prices, two issues on which the vast majority know that Biden's policies have made their lives worse. Some Democrats, however, are not ready to throw Biden under the bus quite yet. He's the president of the United States. He's the leader of our party. He defeated Donald Trump, said Ro Khanna a Democrat from California, likely replacement for Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Uh, there's a tone in which to challenge the administration and offer new ideas, and that tone ought to be one of good faith to help the president not throwing darts to weaken him when he's the party of uh, leader of the party. If Biden remains this unpopular by next this time next year, expect less loyalty from Democrats like Kana and more refusals to support Biden, which are already coming from Representative uh, AOC of New York and uh, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. What the president and the Democrat Party need is to come to terms with is this is not just a crisis of Roe, this is a crisis of democracy, Ocasio-Cortez uh, told NBC News. This is a crisis of legitimacy, and President Biden must address that. Well, of course, uh, that's just not what she means, but of course he didn't win the presidential uh, election. Quite frankly, there is cheating involved, and I think substantially enough to, to make him the winner of the race, but that's another issue. Later the same day, Ocasio-Cortez refused to endorse a 2024 Biden run. <clears throat> so interesting. So, uh, you know, of course, a lot of people think that this stuff is happening uh, because he's incompetent. I think it's really on purpose. He's pledged his allegiance to the far left. They're going the direction they want to go. I think his source of unhappiness and displeasure comes from the fact that he can't sell it to the American people. No matter what he says, they don't like the fact that prices are higher. They don't like the fact that they can't get gas at a reasonable price. And uh, he doesn't like that. Well, President Joe Biden's approval rating dropped in the 20s for the first time in his presidency. That according to a Saturday civics poll. Just 29% of voters approve of Biden, while 58% disapprove 
Only 19% of independents approve of Biden, 67% disapprove. Hispanics, 36% approve, 48% disapprove. 80% of Democrats approve of Biden, down from 88% in July. Biden's approval has dropped five points since June 20th. Just 36% of Democrats want Biden on the 2024 ticket. Pretty uh, abysmal numbers. Biden's approval rating is historically low. Uh, the civics ruling job approval rating has 223,321 responses. So it's a very reliable poll. It's tracked track between January 20th and July 9th, so it's very recent as well. It captures the shifts in attitudes of various groups over time across all 50 states in Washington, D.C., and these changes can happen rapidly or, of course, over time. So he's unpopular, and he doesn't like it. Now, this is amazing. So they sent uh, Lady First Lady Jill Biden out to uh, appeal to the Hispanic community, and uh, she butchered it. She butchered the pronunciation of bodega. She called it bodega. And the Hispanic community is as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio. <laughs> While speaking to the Latinx, includes Exion, that's, that's spelled I-N-C-L-U-X-I-O-N, luncheon in Texas last Monday. That would be yesterday. Biden's remarks at the luncheon were part of a three-day uh, U.S. Unidos annual uh, conference in San Antonio, which started on Saturday. Raul, this is a guy who uh, won the National Medal of Honor, uh, helped build the organization with the understanding that the diversity of this community, as a distinct as bodegas, bodegas of the Bronx, as beautiful as the blossoms of Miami, and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio, is your strength, she said, referring to this guy, Raul, who received the Presidential Medal of Freedom Thursday. Based on prepared marks released to the White House, she was a bodega, and her faux pas quickly made the rounds on social media. Once again, Jill Biden's butchers the Spanish language in a furtherance of pandering to the client constituency, tweeted Jose Bonilla, director of the Media Resource Center. I hereby bless your timelines with Jill's rendering of Bodega in a pair of tweets. Uh, Janet Marigla, uh, Republican candidate for Texas, densely Hispanic 28th district, thanked Biden for clarifying that Democrats think Hispanics like tacos. Boy, she does <laughs> She got butchered on this one. Maybe if we rebrand Southern Border, Southern X, Border X, Joe Biden will finally visit, she wondered in a tweet. Uh, so, uh, again, they had good intentions. She went down there in order to lure and to please the Hispanic community. She did anything but, and uh, because of lack of preparation. Now, this is, these gaffes could be uh, eliminated by simple preparation and making sure that she's ready to go there, but she didn't. And their, their lack of preparation was evident. And it's unfortunate for her. She Apparently, she uh, made another gaffe in, in talking about pop-up vaccination for, site, for far, farm workers. Uh, she said, si se puede, 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 instead of puede. And apparently, which uh, missed the intent, intended meaning of the Spanish phrase. So she needs to get some coaching. The Army has announced that over 60,000 National Guard and Army Reserve soldiers that remain unvaccinated against COVID-19 can't participate in military duties, effectively cutting them off from some of their benefits. Soldiers who refuse the vaccination order without an approved or suspending exemption request 
are subject to the adverse administrative actions including flags, bars to service, and official reprimands, that according to an Army spokesperson. In the future, soldiers who continue to refuse the vaccination order without an exemption may be subject to additional adverse administrative action, including separation. There are now 40,000 National Guard and 22,000 reserve soldiers who haven't received the vaccine, making up 13 and 12 percent of their ranks, respectively. As of June 7th, the Army has separated 1,299 active Army soldiers based on vaccination status. So uh, there are 7,767 temporary exemptions given to the National Guard and 6,457 to the reserves. Only six permanent medical exemptions have been made nationally for the National Guard without any religious exemptions. Not a single reserve soldier has received medical or religious exemption. Over 3,200 have pending exemptions, and a new protocol will not apply to them. And this is so ironic because right now evidence shows that the old vaccines don't work against the new strains that are coming about, and why they insist on decimating the troops of the reserves and the National Guard makes no sense to me whatsoever. But this is just the way it's working under, again, another unaffected means of doing things with the Biden administration. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. 
everyone. Every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CallYourSeniorCenter.org. That's CallYourSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with our have with us our U.S. I said, I'm sorry, state senator. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe sometime in the future, U.S. senator, but uh, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good morning, and no, I will never run for U.S. Senate. Yeah, well, <laughs> nevertheless, you can bet on that. One. <laughs> okay, but you're going to be the president of the uh, state senate. Uh, yes, I think coming up in this next uh, this next cycle. Yeah, it uh, you know after after the election is over in November, uh, we have what we call an organizational session uh, that will be on November 22nd, and at that. Uh, because, you know, presuming we keep our majority, which uh, I think is a really good presumption, uh, then I would be elected president of the Florida Senate. That's, so, that's, so the how's that changed your life now? I'm sure there's stuff you're doing in preparation for that. It It's changed dramatically um, because one of the roles of, of the incoming president of the Senate is to run Senate campaigns. So we keep, make sure we keep our majority. So I've spent pretty much the last two years uh, crisscrossing the state and even the country, for that matter, raising money for Senate campaigns and uh, doing extremely well. And wherever I go, a lot of positive input, a lot of positive feedback about the policies that we have implemented in the state. And, of course, it's kind of it's, it's ironic. No matter where I go in this country, People come up to me and say, do you know Ron DeSantis? And I say, yeah, okay, I do. Oh, he's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, yeah, we've got a great governor. <laughs> and, you know, uh, the uh, surplus uh, after the staff, we talked about this last week, but again, yeah. amazing $21 billion surplus uh, in the budget. This, I mean, I bet you a lot of... Uh, Governors around the the United States would just really be envious of that kind of number, but it's amazing what the uh, legislature yeah. and the and the governor have done. Well, and and I think it's really critical that we do that because, uh, it, well, first of all, our economy uh, came roaring back after the pandemic, and we all know that the policies that we implemented of keeping the state open were what led to enormous financial gains for our state. In fact, you know, you notice now, uh, interestingly, you know, remember how Naples was last summer? I mean, you couldn't get a re- reservation at a restaurant because it was so busy. Now we're back to normal where it's just a normal summer uh, busyness. It's not like it was last uh, last summer where we, I mean, we just, uh, our revenues were amazing. So that being said, we have to be fiscally conservative in case we have a downturn or 
God forbid, a hurricane event or something where we're going to need some of those reserves. Yeah. So uh, I, you know, I think I think it's pretty wise uh, policy to build up the reserves as much as possible. So interesting. So I understand that uh, Marco Island is going to be the uh, event uh, location of a big event coming up this weekend. Yeah, there's going to be a, a number of uh, legislative leaders from around the country, uh, both House and Senate, members from various states, uh, Republicans, and um, you know, to share ideas and, and discussions on how uh, everyone's doing with the uh, <coughs> midterm elections. And, you know, to me, it's, it's always a, a good opportunity to, to, you know, network with uh, like-minded people from around the country, and so that'll be will be a, a good event, I think. Yeah, I would imagine too there'd be a lot of brain picking for people from other states trying to figure out how you're getting such great results. Uh, I would imagine <laughs> I would imagine that uh, Ron DeSantis and the the state legislature are kind of the envy around the United States by the Republican Party. That, uh, that's that's a fact. Um, when I talk to my uh, counterparts and other. In other states, you know, they're always, they're always envious and curious as to how and why we've been so successful. And, you know, I you know, obviously it's a combination of things that we've talked about. But uh, the number one thing that the governor DeSantis did is keep the state open. And, you know, there were a lot of people that were very, very concerned about it, thought that, you know, it would be just inviting COVID to take over the state, which, as it turned out, did not occur any, any more than any other state. A knock on wood kind of thing. Right. And uh, because of that, we were able to keep our businesses uh, operating. And how important is that? Very important. our small businesses. So, you know, I feel really good about our future right now. Yeah, well, you know, and I'll make one other observation. Uh, he does, Governor DeSantis doesn't back down. When he has a commitment to a principal, you know, it's not yeah. politics for him. It is a matter of principle. And I'll just uh, reference, for example, Bill Clinton, who always seemed to have his finger in the air, trying to figure out which way the wind is blowing. <laughs> but, but that's not Ron DeSantis. I mean, he is committed to the things that uh, he's committed to. And uh, I think it makes a big dis- uh, difference. Yeah, he's pretty serious about his policies uh, and, and, and thoughts that he has. Like last week, he was in Cape Coral uh, just to announce an executive order that he issued for his agencies to audit uh, their uh, uh, pharmacy benefit management programs because, uh, you know, there's been some um, evidence that they're not passing on any kind of discount that they receive to consumers. So, you know, what's the point of having uh, a manager to manage costs when, when they don't help reduce them yeah uh and and also you know if you recall we passed the bill a couple of years ago uh authorizing uh drug importations from canada because the prices are much cheaper there uh you know americans pay for uh, the uh, research and development of all the drugs that our drug companies um make or, or discover and all the savings are passed on to every other country but us so you know, we passed a, a bill saying, well, and let us uh, buy from Canada where it's cheaper. Yeah. And uh, you have to get federal approval, and they've been back, they've been sort of slow walking it. And, uh, you know, he's been calling out on the FDA to 
go ahead and approve. Yeah, big problems up there. I tell you, if uh, we, when Republicans get in office, it seems to me that uh, uh, Dr. Joseph Lopato would be a great uh, Surgeon General as opposed to the guys that we have in office right now. But that's a story for another day. Again, Kathleen Pasadomo, <laughs> our state senator and soon to be uh, Senate president, I just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. Always a light and entertaining portion of the program. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples' only vitality and longevity practice where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. Among other things, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo, Boo Mortensen, up in Madison, Wisconsin. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure, and I have to bring this interesting thing up because I wonder if other listeners have experienced it as well. There are now so many mass shootings, and uh, it's almost like an everyday occurrence, it seems like now, unfortunately. And this weekend, Madison hosted the Art Fair on the Square, which has been here for, I don't know, in excess of 20 years. It's the second largest art fair um, 
in the United States behind Ann Arbor. So there were hundreds of thousands of people here. And you're walking around a square in downtown Madison, surrounded by office buildings, apartment buildings. And it's the first time when I walked around the square, I thought, if there is a sniper that wants to take out a bunch of people, mm-hmm. we are all sitting ducks down here. Yeah. So you actually. Now, I wonder if other people, I never in my life have ever had that thought before. Uh, I, I have to admit, I've never had that thought myself. Uh, but uh, being uncomfortable with crowds, uh, sometimes I've, I've felt closed in and felt very uncomfortable, like uh, claustrophobic. No, I don't, I don't have the claustrophobia. I just thought, you know, and I actually stood and looked at a lot of the rooftops uh-huh. to think if I could see people up there. And I thought, are we all getting sort of paranoid kind of, you know, one more thing to be anxious about? Because, you know, if somebody decided to open up a window and mow down, a, a, you know, a, a maximum amount of people, you could do it. You could do it at a concert. I mean, you could do it at a football game. Well, I must say. And outside here, there's no metal detector. Yeah. Uh, and I must say uh, that that does not sound like an irrational fear. It sounds like based on uh, based on inductive reasoning, since it's happened so often in the past, I think it's wise to be aware of your surroundings and what's going on. I know. And isn't that sad? It is. It is indeed. But uh, hopefully this will pass. I may recall back in the 80s, I believe it was, all the shootings and all the murders. We're seeing it right now in Illinois. We saw it in Washington, D.C. back in the day. The point being is that hopefully uh, this will pass, uh, although it's going to take, you know, in some ways it's symptomatic of our sick society. Well, I... I don't. I guess I don't share quite your your great optimism. Yeah. Um, I think it's too easy to get guns. Hmm. So I don't know. On a different note, our neighbors to the east in Southwest Florida, Miami, I had no idea what a business, technology, sports, Bitcoin, unicorn center Miami has is has become it is unbelievable all the businesses that are saying we're out of California we're out of New York we're out of Illinois and we're going to Miami it's amazing in fact because of so many people moving there apartment rates this year have gone up 58 percent wow I think on national average, I think here in uh, in uh, Naples, it's something like 20, 21%, but 58%, that's unbelievable. 58, I know it, and it's not deterring one person. They are coming back, but think about it. You got the beaches, you got the glitzy nightclubs, now you've got a lot of world-class uh, restaurants, you've got um, no income tax or no state income tax. You can't go wrong. You got weather year-round. Why wouldn't you be there? Well, that's right. And and the other part of that, even though rents are going up, you say by 58%, I would suggest if people are coming from New Jersey or New York, perhaps they're pleased with the prices they're seeing because of the exorbitant amounts they've been paying, paying in other states. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Uh, if it's bad in Miami, it's worse elsewhere. 
I mean, financial com- companies are coming, large law firms are coming, as I mentioned earlier, unicorns are coming down here, Bitcoin is here, New York real estate developers are coming, venture capital firms, Yeah, come on down. And our the mayor of Miami is like, what can I do to help you move here? Yeah, exactly. Well, what's interesting about this also is that my concern would, would be, you know, maybe we're going to end up with being infiltrated by a lot of uh, liberals coming from other states that are more liberal. Uh, but that's not the f- case. In fact, uh, registered re- Republicans, just at the first of the year for the first time, we had more registered Republicans uh, than we had Democrats. Well, now... Just in the last week, it was announced that we have 200,000 more registered Republicans than we have Democrats. So apparently these people that are coming are uh, Republicans. That's that's not all bad. That's all great is that. That's That's pretty good. Yeah, no, I had I had Miami Dade. Pardon? I had no idea about the diversity and what's happening in Miami. I I would imagine it was also happening in Tampa, Clearwater. I think so, but you know Miami is getting all the publicity right now. You know, it, you know, you think Miami, you think of our Basel, the Formula One racetrack that's there. The, they're going to host the World Cup in 2026. Huh. You've got all the sports teams there in Miami. I mean, it is hot, hot, hot. They say that there are there's a, a and because of the pandemic, that forced a lot of people to go. And eh, you know what, we are moving. Last year, they filed 106,000 new business applications in one year. Wow, that is amazing. That is truly amazing. Just with regard to that, I was going to a physical therapist after my back surgery, and uh, she moved from New Jersey, and uh, she said the reason why is that uh, she couldn't be employed because of the rules of... uh, COVID and all that type of thing. She moved down here, got a job immediately, and she's in tall, tall cotton. Isn't that something? Yeah, it is. It's just a... Uh, unf- uh, now, it's turning Miami into a nightmare to drive in. Yeah. Uh, you know, with all this influx of business and people comes all the problems that they bring as well. But... Um, Florida's a hot state. Everybody wants to move. Let's hope they go to Miami and forget about Naples. (laughs) That's the truth. I don't know if you saw, but uh, Naples was listed. The U.S. News and World Report did a study on the safest cities to live in in the United States. Naples is number one in terms of being the safest city in the United States. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's impressive. It is impressive. And that's based on uh, the murder rate and uh, property theft uh, and destruction. Only those two factors. So there's other things that uh, create a lack of safety. But uh, if you want to avoid uh, having your property stolen or or having ruined or getting murdered, (laughs) Naples is the place to be. Well, it is. You know, it's a little nirvana. And let's, you know... It's getting pretty crowded as well. You know, you look at all the apartments that are being built and condos and and uh, a lot of people are coming in and we have a limited infrastructure, I think. Yeah. Well, we got, they estimate that by in the next 10 years, our population could go up to a million people here in Collier County. It's about 360,000 now. So uh, we do have to be concerned about growth. No question about that. Well... 
you know, if you want a bit of the highlight, uh, highlight and uh, the fancy, the ritzy clubs, head east. Yeah, go, go to go to Miami. Boo, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. All right, have a good week. All right, coming up, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and also building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out all about it by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to do society, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and it's a mounting task. It certainly is. But the Supreme Court is beginning to cooperate a little bit and making some decisions, I think, making bringing us closer to the Constitution. Uh, you wrote a column about it. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, I wrote about it last week because um, the, the EPA, the West Virginia versus EPA ruling, uh, really was a shot across the bow of every bureaucrat in D.C. It said, 
You can't do it unless there's legislation that specifically tells you to do it, yeah. which is what it should have been all, the, all along anyway. There was a very bad ruling in the 80s, late 80s, called the Chevron decision. Antonin Scalia was on the wrong side of it uh, in 87. And what they basically said in 87 was, oh, the bureaucrats in D.C., they're the experts, so they get to determine what the limits of their power are. <laughs> and I wrote a piece in 2013 that said – Bureau, Supreme Court says bureaucrats can set their own power limits. None find any. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, was just a, it was just a carte blanche for bureaucrats to go insane. Well, this is a restoration of the Constitution. This says you can't do anything unless Congress first passes law that specifically tells you to do it. You have, it's like, it, you know, it's what Scalia said about the Constitution. It says what it says, and it doesn't say what it doesn't say. Right. Same with the law. Well, if the law says what it says to do something, you can do it. If it doesn't say you, can, you know, if it doesn't specifically tell you to do something, you can't do it. So I would well, say, I say the the administrative agencies, the alphabet uh, agencies, their, their role is to uh, implement the laws that are execute to execute, execute the executive yeah. branch. Right, they execute the laws that the legislative. This is the way the Congress. I mean, the founding fathers set up the separation of powers the balance of powers he wanted the elected people right the people we had a direct say over whether or not they kept their jobs he wanted them to do the legislating not the not the judges and by the way the, the other ruling i was referring to in this article was the dobbs ruling this the um the abortion ruling that overturned Roe v. Wade, that was, again, a restoration of constitutionality. The Constitution says what it says. It doesn't say what it doesn't say. What they said was, okay, let's, this is, we're reversing judicial tyranny. In the EPA ruling, we're reversing executive branch tyranny. In this, in this ruling, we're reversing judicial, judicial branch tyranny. They, by fiat in 1972 or 73, whatever it was, and Roe v. Wade, they just said, yeah, we're, we're writing law. We're saying it's national law that you can have abortion. Yeah. And that's not how – there's nowhere in the Constitution that says that. So in the Dobbs ruling, they said, uh, yeah, we read the Constitution, and there, it isn't there. So we're restoring it to a voting issue for the people of this country, which, again, is a restoration of freedom and representative government versus uh, judicial tyranny. That's a – step in the right direction so I, I i say all this to say there's an article written that there's a website called ip watchdog uh you know intellectual property watchdog and they he wrote a very interesting article where he said this ruling uh the, the dobbs ruling is telling judges you can't write patent law either and they've been writing awful patent law for half a century huh and I went and step, you know, they just been making stuff up, and all, all the stuff they make up is undermining patent protections. And I added to it the EPA ruling, which said you've got a lot of bureaucrats at the Patent and Trademark Office who, you know, again, we have all these countervailing things where these people get ensconced in the bureaucracy and they're there to undermine what they're supposed to be there to protect. You've got anti-patent people at the Patent Office. Yeah. And... When the, when the judges and justices write these awful rulings before they do, they go to the quote-unquote experts at the patent office. And these anti-patent patent officers are handing the judges and justices garbage. Yeah. 
that has no basis in law, that has no basis in the Constitution, and then that fuels these awful judicial rulings. So I combined his article about the judiciary with the ruling in in EPA on the bureaucrats and said this should – and I'm going to write – next week I'm going to write (laughs) – I'm going to write how they're already pretending the ruling doesn't mean what it means. Yeah. You know, for 200 years, uh, the patent office did a fantastic job, and the consequence yes. was just just to uh, make this country a wonderful place to create because it, patents were protected. In the last 20, 30 years, it's it's uh, reverse course. Ten. Well, I mean, the courts have been bad for 50, but but all three branches got involved in undermining the patent office system in, about 10 years ago. Uh, bipartisan bill in Congress, the American Invents Act in 2013, was awful. Um, it, it created that patent trial and appeal board, which uh, overturns 70, 80 percent of the patents they get in front of them. The big tech companies use the PTAB board to uh, oh, just they just wait. They don't they won't pay licenses. They'll just file cha- challenges against patents at the PTAB. Um, uh, that that was bad. We got the executive branch going insane. Obama's patent office was awful for patents. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been bad, and and again, the founding fathers were smart to put it specifically in the Constitution. Uh, as you said, that's the reason our economy. Well, that's one of the main reasons our economy was so amazing for so long. Right. And to look at that 200 years of success and say, you know what, we're going to fundamentally transform that. It's 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 it was such a sellout to big tech donors and other big business interests that wanted to, to not pay for patent licensing anymore. Yeah. And it's just, it's one of the horrorist, horriest, most horror-inducing moments, uh, horror-reflective moments in D.C. history yeah, it's, with that law. It was our Sri Lanka moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. And by the way, they're more ESG than we are, and they went under faster. So yeah, unbelievable. The, the the mentality and what's happening with regard to the global economy is just amazing because of this Davos uh, global thinking. is just amazing. Seton Modley, again, the founder and president of Less Government, I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org where you'll find Seton's column. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, I always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, I'm going to visit with Linda Harden. She's my wife. She's also so well-informed of what's happening around the Paradise Coast as well as globally. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida, 
A confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. As we're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Linda Harton. She's my wife. She also writes, or did write, Greetings from Paradise. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning to you. Say, I want to just start our conversation with uh, last night, Tucker Carlson did his monologue. He was lit. He was unbelievable. It was a 25, half the show was taken by his monologue. Commercial free. And it was commercial free, and it was citing the crimes of the Biden family. I thought it was such a a brave move on his part to do what he did. Uh, nobody, nobody else in the media would ever, I think, venture to do something like that. What's really interesting about that, too, is that the daytime Fox won't touch it. And the fact that Tucker Carlson and a, and a little bit of Jesse Waters, but mostly Tucker Carlson, is, is absolutely drawing the curtain back on all the stuff that's been going on with the Bidens. Now, I, I had read on social media back in April um, that Tucker had been in Switzerland talking to Jack Maxey, the guy who had gotten uh, Hunter Biden's laptop and was, was exposing it. And, and, the reason, and the reason Jack Maxey, who was with, used to be with Steve Bannon, went over to Switzerland because his life was threatened here because of all the stuff that's been going on with, with Biden. Now, who was threatening his life? We don't know. But so... so so this 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 spooky person on social media called Kim dot com um, had posted on Twitter, and I I got that information from another source because of course I'm not on Twitter anymore because I was banned forever. Um, badge of honor on badge your part. of honor <laughs> banned, and I was banned twice. Yeah. Um, that that um, this was this whole Hunter Biden thing was being exposed, and that it would it will be blown. Um, uh, up to people that the media will not be able to avoid it, and that Tucker Carlson. This was in April, and that Tucker Carlson was in Switzerland interviewing Jack Maxey. Well, you know, Kim dot com is kind of a dark figure, and he's he works out of Australia, and it's 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 really interesting to watch because he's usually right. Well, I didn't hear anything, and I I, I follow Jack Maxey on on um, Gab and on Getter, 
and he had posted all this stuff about all the nefarious stuff that that Hunter Biden had been involved with. And nefarious doesn't even cut it. I mean, <clears throat> Hunter Biden is a real dirtbag. Yeah. And and that's being kind. Um, and then he just went dark, and all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. Here he shows up on Tucker, and all this stuff was coming true. Gave me goosebumps, that's for sure. So what Tucker did is he connected all the dots with uh, the behavior of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden with the Communist Chinese Party, all the things that have happened as a consequence. I think it really indicts uh, the the Biden family, clearly. Well, here's here's what's so interesting, is that if it had been anybody else— this president has compromised this country, and I'm I'm pretty convinced that it's it's all treasonous. Um, anybody else would have been walked out of the White House and in in in, um, in handcuffs, but because but because um, the deep state and and the Dems and the progressive they have all they've got their butts covered because guess why the DOJ is in their pocket, the FBI is in their pocket, the CIA is in their pocket, and 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 they won't touch. Well, Biden's I'll, as a result. I'll say this too. I think there's a lot of concern on the part of Democrats that once they lose power, a lot of this stuff is going to be exposed. So they're just desperately trying to hold on to power in any way they can. And of course, uh, uh, Joe Biden is an important part of that. Well, Joe Biden is falling apart before our eyes. I know. And even and now even the Democrats are saying we can't have him in office. I have a feeling, and I'm just just because of all the stuff I watch. <clears throat> excuse me. I have a feeling that things are going to be very exciting this month and next month. I think it's just going to be very exciting because Joe Biden is falling apart at warp speed. Yeah. And and the Democrats are even saying, we don't want him, we don't want him. Well, just like Trump says, we can't wait till 2024. Our country will be lost by 2024. I'm. Things are happening. That was Steve Bannon um, his trial is going to be next Monday. They're going to do everything they can to get him off the air. I was laying in bed listen, uh, thinking about this this morning. That's what they're doing. Donald Trump um, eliminated the need for um, executive privilege. He released Steve Bannon from executive privilege um, this weekend and said, "Steve, go go and testify before the J Six Committee." Well, now now you know he was held in contempt of Congress because he wouldn't um, he wouldn't talk to the J6 committee because of executive privilege. Well, now that's been lifted, but they're going to go after him anyway. So they're, they're going after, and he says, you know, I will testify, but it's going to be on the condition that, uh, it's on the condition that uh, it'll be public and not private. No, no, no. I mean, that's that's true, but but he's, he's going to trial next Monday for the contempt of Congress. And and so that's going to be very, very interesting to see. Hmm. And, and by the way, Steve Bannon has looked like the cat who swallowed the canary because he's going, well, some very interesting things are going to come up in the next week or so. Steve Bannon is a very cool character because he he never, ever talks about himself. Even when his uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, townhouse was hit by the SWAT team yeah. because of a, a report that someone was inside uh, with a gun, the SWAT team descended upon his house during his show, and, and for and our listeners, he didn't even blink. And my guess is many people are not aware of this, but this is uh, this is news that you find on conservative uh, news outlets. But Bannon's uh, show, Bannon's home, was raided by the FBI. <laughs> uh, so Bannon didn't blink, and 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 he said yesterday morning on his show, which is why I never I never miss it. You know, I never miss right. it because if if you want news breaking. 
Steve now, Bannon, back Joe. to something else that you mentioned, though. Jack Maxey, he's quite a guy. He's a great news guy. He was a co-host with Steve Bannon on the, uh, the War Room, and uh, he did flee to Switzerland, I believe it is. You know, and based on Seth Rich, all of a sudden Seth Rich is now starting to come back into the picture. Seth Rich, I personally believed, was murdered by uh, murdered as kind of a plot by the Democrat Party to keep him silent. Well, not only Seth Rich, but um, <clears throat> Julian Assange is is they're just fighting to get it. That whole situation is so bizarre. There is so much that the deep state and and Dems and whatever are trying to keep away from the American people. There is a treasure trove of knowledge mm-hmm. that is just that is just waiting to come out. It's going to be very very interesting because because the Democrats um, and the deep state and all those characters in in the country club of Washington D.C., also known as the elites, are shaking in their boots right now because they are being exposed little by little, and it's not a pretty picture. No, as Julian Assange said. That once everything is exposed, 98% of Washington, D.C. will fall. Well, and how about the, the, uh, Hunter Biden's uh, iCloud account? Apparently they've uh, broke the code on that, and now exposing another 60,000 emails and texts and so forth. And, uh, well, well, and, and, and um, Joe Biden is guilty. I mean, everything, everything that Hunter has been doing huh. is against the law. And it's deep and dark and awful. And guess what? Joe Biden has covered it up. He's known about it, and he lied about it. Right. And and his his son was calling him Pedo Joe. Really? Yeah. Why is that? What what kind of evil person do we have living in that White House? Yeah, uh, he, I would say evil pretty well describes it. I mean, Any- we we could go on. I could I because of all the stuff that I have learned. Um, that has come out to be true on social media. I could keep this show going for hours because of it is just mind-boggling. It's just mind-boggling to see what they're doing to distract from what's really being exposed. Yeah. I mean, here's what and I know we've got to go soon, but but here's what's so interesting is that um, Bannon is working six days a week. Yeah. And he doesn't have enough time to expose all that's going on. Meanwhile, Glenn Beck is talking, you know, he's got this other show that's talking about, he's not even keeping up with, with all the stuff that's going on. Bannon's got it covered from the border to Washington, D.C., to what's going on in Europe. You know that Ben Harnwell that reports out of yeah. out of Rome and of all the stuff that's going on in, in um, like, the Netherlands right now that the mainstream media won't even report on. That 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 um, big food processing plant that that makes um, phony beef and whatever in the Netherlands was suddenly torched. Yeah. What? What's wrong with that? How did that happen? Yeah. It's so very interesting. I mean, when this stuff all plays out and it's all over, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. It's it's going to be a great movie. Yeah. Stay tuned because there's a lot going on. Oh my goodness, Linda! I, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Now I'm all fired up. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute, Bob Levy. We'll also visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus' Avaz. I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Hey, and by the way, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends how they can find it as well. 
We always appreciate the support for our advertisers who make this uh, show possible. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.